Hi, this is Jim, and this is Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, with uh, Second Chance, a Moped Podcast. Um, it's kind of weird because I actually didn't, I just rode mopeds this week. So, like, as we all have been knowing, I've been kind of traveling through the countryside uh, on the 4th of July, and like, life's gotten back to normal. And I kind of look at that rally calendar and nothing is going on. Absolutely nothing, which kind of has got us all bummed out. But hopefully we can keep busy and keep playing with mopeds. I keep on, you know, finding roadblocks in my way to kind of, you know, thank goodness we all have more than one bike, it seems like, because I've got one bike I'm testing stuff with and, like, uh, just frustrating as all it can be. But speaking of testing stuff out and bikes and all that good stuff, um, I got I got one of our manufacturers in the moped world on this week, and why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for us? Hey, everybody! This is Walt, uh, also known as Trickmetric. Um, thank you for coming on, Walt. Um, as you know, with a uh, second chance moped podcast, we kind of go through somebody's moped story. Um, you know what it was like. Uh, you know, first time you ever saw a moped, did not necessarily getting on one, but. You know, and then getting on it and then buying, kind of the progression through that. So why don't you go ahead and tell us if you can remember, like, the first time you really remember seeing a moped. <sighs> well, the first time I remember seeing a moped is when I went looking for one. <laughs> my, uh, I was uh, really getting into motorcycles, and my, I wanted to get my wife into motorcycles, and she couldn't stay on one to pass the test. Mm. So I thought, well, the next best thing is a moped. So and I, uh, what, what time frame are we looking at here? Oh, this is back, uh, 2009. Okay. And, uh, I went on Craigslist <laughs> and uh, there was one nearby for a couple hundred bucks of Gorelli. And I mm-hmm. went out there, picked it up and never rode it. Just tore it completely down and my first custom job. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So. Why don't you give a little background? Obviously if you tore it down right away, um, you sound like you're mechanically inclined. What, like, what were you doing with job or whatever at this point in your life? Because if, obviously it sounds like you knew kind of what you were doing if you were tearing it down right away. Yeah, um, I went to school for industrial design, but um, I was raised in a family of fabricators. Okay. My dad built cars and everything. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I was pretty handy with making stuff. I, my mm-hmm. first job out of school was building prototypes. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. No, so you like I always tell people like from my experience, I had enough knowledge to be dangerous. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. and that was me. Um, so you <coughs> tore down that Gorelli. Uh, what all did you do to it? Like you said, that was your, your first everything. bike was your first custom. Okay, well, what's everything on the Gorelli? Um, well, I tore it all down to its every little component there was, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Put a cleaning kit on it. Awesome. Um, what else did I do to it? Painted it, top tanked it. Nice. Um, sculpted a tail for it. Oh, wow, dude. You're going all out on um, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure people have seen pictures of it on yeah, yeah. Moped Army. I mean, it's was it was one of my first posts, posting up pictures of that girly. I'll have to dig that um, up to kind of put with your um, episode. Yeah, that's um, that's a long that's a long running project. Now, I mean, right now it's got a team motor on it and kickstart. So yeah, it's completely a different bike now. But I still yeah. have it. 
that's awesome that you still have your first bike. I know a lot of people kind of cycle through stuff, especially in the moped game. Like my first, yeah, I don't ever want, I have a hard time selling bikes. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't really have a problem selling them. I'm lucky enough that I can get them back most of the time. Okay. Um, cause people get tired of them faster than, than I, I, I want them. So. Yeah. Where are where do you live? Well, like we didn't do that part. What part of the country? I'm in are Grand you Rapids in? right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Cause we, I'm from yep. Minnesota, Minnesota, Darren, we have a Grand <laughs> Rapids, Minnesota. So. Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, so you got that gorilla, you tore it all down, you start messing with it. Um, like, what was the first real memory of riding a moped then? Like, when was your first smile ride? Um, I can't really think of my first smile ride as much as I can remember my all-time greatest ride. Okay. And that, was, that was at my first rally. I went to oh, uh, yeah. Dead Peds Rally. Jeez, that was back in, it was like 10 years ago, I think. It was my first rally. And I had uh, my Magnum then, which I also customized. <laughs> and uh, the the Natchez Trace was just, it's the most amazing ride I've ever mm-hmm. been on. Just riding through those mountains. Yep. Now, was it the ride itself or was it the camaraderie of everybody with you riding? Because, like, that that takes on a whole different aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that that's really a, a different face of it. Um I really, I mean, I really enjoyed meeting people from all, mm-hmm. of, all over the place. That's, that's one, of the, one of the things that I really loved about rallies. I mean, not as much as the riding, but, mm-hmm. but it's really nice uh, meeting people from all over. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I know Jason from, like, Second Chance, uh, or <laughs> Jason, I'm just going to kill me, from um, Moped Monday Podcast said, like, you know, as soon as you start going to like one rally, two rally, and you start seeing the same faces, it almost yeah. becomes like a second family. And I, I've really yeah. experienced that in my little, my minute in moped, in the moped life. <laughs> um, so you, you hit that Grand Rapids rally. Was that like 2009, 2010? Or when it was, was uh, that? 2010 was the Dead Peds rally. Okay. 2010. It, yeah. Pets. It was in, uh, in Nashville. Okay. Um, so you got, you had your poop. Um, so you're, is that what you kind of fell in love with was like E50 stuff or what, what's your go? I mean, we're kind of going jumping all over, but what, what's kind of your go-to thing at that My point in is, mopeds? Is the uh, M48 Badavis. Okay. That's my yeah. thing. Awesome. Like you're way out there. Cause like, you know, yeah. I'm a, so, I'm, I'm a fanboy, so I love Hondas. So like, yeah, you know, I'm so, I'm so into the, into M48s that I totally just trash the cash, the ca- uh, case now and machine my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's the spirit. It's the spirit of the thing. I mean, oh. the, the frame still has to be bad of us. And, um, yeah, at least the yeah. frame has to be bad of us. There you go. So, um, 2009, 2010, you're already making parts. Okay. So at what point, and I know, um, trick metric is a company you own and operate. Yep. At what point do you start? Cause I mean, it's gotta be hard for a new guy to show up and kind of make his own parts. And like, what, at what point do you start like making parts for math for the masses, if you will, like. Um, not necessarily a huge production level because it's mopeds, so it's not yeah. going to be huge productions by any means. But well, early I think it was probably early 
no, it was middle of the year, 2011. I started working with uh, another ghostwriter, uh, Jeremy, um, and he um, he and I were developing a clutch for uh, Pooks E50s, mm-hmm. and um, we had a couple prototypes machined, and they worked, but not all that great. And um, it just winter came along, and so we weren't, we couldn't really test anymore. Yeah, yeah. And then I uh, then I noticed I started looking around for other things that that people were interested in that um, that I could whip out really quick. And that's when I, I came across um, some other people had been uh, making little Dio adapter plates mm-hmm. for Honda Hobbits. Yep, yep. And um, I was like, wow, I just got a membership to a tech shop. I can CNC machine these things really quick. So I just started cranking those out. And, um, and I hadn't, I guess I really hadn't met Benji then, but he had, uh, he had uh, emailed me and said that he wanted to start selling them. Awesome. So Benji, yeah, Treatland was my first big order. Okay, okay, yeah, like, yeah. This first time he, like, ordered, like, 200 of the adapters, and then, like, every, <laughs> it's like every few months he'd order a couple hundred more. And So you're, you're, you're in the game, if you will. You're making parts. You're Yeah, 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 but at that um, point I was making parts. <laughs> so um, your first rally was the Dead Pets ones. Um, what's... <laughs> What's like the longest ride you've really been on then? Like you said, that ride was awesome going through the mountains and all that. Like I know there's some ra- I know a lot of people um, have done like lo- like the pinball run or the Baker's dozen and that's just intense and crazy. But like, and I've been on a, I've been on rides where they're like a hundred miles one way, hundred miles the next <laughs> wow. day. Um, yeah. I've always wanted to. Um, the first year they did the, uh, the pinball I wanted to do it, and that was the year that I had spent building my, my first – no, it was, I guess, my second pretty much scratch-built Batavis, and it just didn't fall within the rules. So mm. I was like, well, I'm not going to spend all this money and build another bike. Yeah. So it, it just never happened. And then for a while, I don't know, I guess it was back in 2012 or so, 2013. I guess it's 2012. Um, I, I became pretty good friends with Chad Burke and I was thinking it would be really cool if we did something kind of like the pinball but where we rode from Chicago to LA on Route 66 mm. and nobody's yeah. done that yet I think that would be a prime I've heard whispers uh, of people wanting to do that but like it's just like exactly what you said like we want to do it, but we don't want to do it, but we want to do it. Like it's, it takes some, it's takes somebody who just like the pinball or the yeah, Baker's doesn't it, it takes it somebody. Seems, with, it seems like it's getting harder and harder every year though. Cause less and less of the road is available for, uh, to contiguously ride. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see who knows. And <laughs> especially with next year, if you know, knock on wood, we get a, vaccination and we can all go to rallies again like yeah yeah i think you'll see uh high numbers hopefully um so you're we're in kind of 2012 2000 is um i know a little bit about trick trick metric i i've only been in the scene for a couple of years um at what point was trick metric was that ever like is that full time or is that always kind of something because i understand like how much 
it takes to make something a full-time gig. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, people say mopeds are in your life. They totally ruined mine. <laughs> um, as soon as I started making parts, um, I, my, my regular job, which was designing high-end office furniture at the time really started, uh, um, I wasn't putting as much effort into it as I should have. Mm-hmm. And I lost my job doing that. Oh no. So at that point, mopeds parts became full time. So for about a seven year stretch, I was just making moped parts full time. That's when all the hammers came out. And, um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people really, it's pretty, especially for like Tomos. And I know a few, a lot of those guys really love the hammer and, the hammer clutch. I hear, I hear whispers of it from the old guard, if you will. Um, so you, you're in mopeds, you're making a, you're making a, you know, a wage at it. Um, like 2000, say we'll jump to 2015, 2016. Like what is like your weekly moped? Like how many hours a week are you working, making parts? How many hours are you riding? Are you hitting rallies? Like that type of stuff. Well, that's just it. Most of the time that I was working full time making moped parts, I wasn't even riding. Oh, that's that's what happens to everybody yep. with their love. It seems like yep. they they do it and then they don't want to do it. And... Well, it wasn't even a matter of not wanting to do it. I just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, I right 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 before I lost my job, I just got had a daughter. So oh, okay when I wasn't working on moped parts like half a state away, I was watching, hanging out with my daughter. So (laughs) it was, yeah, it was, it was tough time, but thank you, Benji. Benji (laughs) saved my life. There you go. Um, I think he saves all our lives with all his parts. (laughs) He, 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 that website is just, it, it's so unbelievable how they keep it updated and how they get everything out the way they do and everything else. I cannot, and everybody does Denny cycles. Everybody does such a great job supplying this weird, weird yeah. niche thing. We all love so much. Um, and you said for seven years, you're doing it so long and like, um, what products did you have? How many different lines of products did you have at your peak? Oh, well, if you count all the individual hammers for different mo- motors, geez, um, I don't even know. <laughs> um, there, there's, there's, there's probably there's at least six, if not eight or nine, more hammer designs that Benji hasn't had manufactured yet. Oh wow! Just about every moped out there, brand and motor model has a hammer or a jammer. Yep. waiting to be manufactured oh wow that's so, um yeah there was there was a, a, a kind of a, a back there was about a two-year stretch where he was switching manufacturers on the jammer and it just backed everything up mm. so like there's going to be more jammers they're coming <laughs> <laughs> well there you go we got we got a yeah. little exclusive for you they, guys they've already been designed and they're they're just sitting on somebody's hard drive waiting to be manufactured so <laughs> that's awesome um so i feel like this is getting really short um what you said the badavis is your ultimate is your go-to brand um how come badavis um well 
I guess when I got the Gorelli, it was a nice bike. Um, the wiring was goofy. Mm-hmm. If if you follow the manual, the wiring just didn't work. So I, I, the Gorelli was nice. It it just didn't seem as all thought through. Hey guys, we're back. Uh, Walt lost power. So in the middle of him talking about his Batibus to um, Gorelli experience, he just dropped out. So we're going to pick back up with why he loves the Batibus so much. All right. I love Batibus because they are built extremely well. They're not the highest performing bikes, but if you keep your Batibus completely bone stock and maintain it, it will last forever and it will be completely reliable. Um, I have not had another moped like that. Okay. But then again, I have never really ridden any other stock moped before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when I, I did, when I rode the stock Batavis, it was, I mean, it was completely reliable. It was, I never had to worry about that thing starting up or continuing to go. It was, it was perfect. What do those things do top end? Um, well, there's, I think there's, there's, there's two different speed versions and, um, I got my stock one up to around 38 ish. Okay. So they're not terribly fast, but they're not super slow either. No, they're no Jawa by any means, but. (laughs) Well, speaking of Jawas, um, I had a Babetta that we had going around, who had going about, about 52. Holy cow. And um, that was because we had zero squish. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I had The piston was actually dinging the head, but it produced so much power with yeah. no, no squish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. How hot did that thing run? Um, I, I never had a problem with it overheating. It never seized. I had, a, I had a bearing go out on me once, but a crank bearing. But, but yeah, that, that was a pretty reliable bike, too. That's interesting. We got a casseroler in Minneapolis who wants to build the fastest Java. So 52 right now is the, the benchmark. It sounds like he's got to be. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so you're, you're making parts to tell, you know, Benji's making orders and everything's going. It sounds like, but it sounds like you're not, full-time trick metric anymore. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about the progression, what happened there? If, if, the, if you don't want to, don't worry about it, man. No, no. Um, what happened What happened was was that there was, geez, I guess it was about four years ago maybe. Um, I got a bunch of orders in. It was right about the time. Um, it was just before the Tomos hammers came out. Mm-hmm. Um Benji put in a whole bunch of orders for Pook uh, hammers, and he put in a small order for the the Tomos hammers, and I went to place an order for the friction material for the shoes, and the company I was using uh, in Cleveland, Tribco, the guy I was, the sales guy I was working with either retired or died or something, but he must have been giving me some crazy sweet deal. <laughs> um, because when I got quote on the new shoes, they wanted four times as much. Oh wow! And I was like, um, "What you want for lining is more than I'm getting for the clutches." Yeah. So 
I, I said, all right, screw that. So I started shopping around for other suppliers. Nobody really had anything Kevlar. So I went to three different, um, one, of, one of them was a brake lining company and it was a couple different uh, clutch lining companies. Every single one of them gave me a product that failed. It was just, mm. so at that point I was completely broke. I spent all the money that Benji had given me. Mm-hmm. I had nowhere to go. Yeah. So I basically, at that point, um, I made an agreement with Benji that he would um, start making them himself and I would just get royalties off that. And it worked out fine. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it kind of sucks because I don't, yeah. I don't feel like I've got as much, quite as much control over quality as I used to have, mm-hmm. but I feel pretty confident that, that Benji's keeping a close eye on it. Well, yeah. And I can tell you this, I'm glad that you came to that agreement with Benji and trees because you are still allowing so many mopeders to keep on the road because of that, because if it wasn't for the aftermarket companies, none of these bikes would be going anymore. I mean, yeah. that's yeah. that's why I'm always so grateful for anybody because it's a you're not. I mean, maybe some people are, but I, it's been my experience. You're not gonna get rich off of making moped parts. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a it's a pa- it's a passion project, if anything. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the stuff like. One of the biggest misconceptions that people have had about trickmetric parts in general is that they see the price and it yeah it's higher than your normal Chinese import parts, um, but if when it had a trickmetric name on it, it was handmade. Mm-hmm. I made every single part that said trickmetric on it, and. And I, I wasn't making a lot of money. A lot of that stuff went into the, just materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides, like, the, the Dio adapter, um, most of the parts that I've sold aren't really performance parts. They are aftermarket replacement parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they're, they're different than stock, and they may work a little bit better than stock, but they're not really high-performance parts. Yeah, um, but you got a bunch of dumb mopeders who want to go 65, 70 mile yeah, an hour yeah. on and a bike, so we're going to make them performance parts, dang it, Walt. That, that's, that, that's understandable, but, <laughs> but when, like, one of the first guys to buy one of the very first hammers, he had, like, number two, yeah. and, like, in less than a day, he burned it. Oh. And, and it was interesting because, and he didn't really fault me on it because – he knew what he was doing was very experimental, but (laughs) it it, it helped me figure out, like I knew you needed to use some really, really good uh, transmission fluid for it, Mm -hmm. but he went a bit extreme and was mixing all kinds of stuff. Ah. And yeah, I still have that clutch. Benji gave, he gave it to Benji and Benji gave it back to me. And it's, it's crazy. It's just steel shoes with no lining at all. It's just completely burned away in less than a day. Oh God. I've really done some impressive breaks, but I haven't broken anything like that in less (laughs) now. That's awesome. So, at what point did you start to roll back on trip metric or like the hammer? So it's like the hammer side. You kind of fell short with the supplier. Yeah. What and, time frame was this? 
Oh, that was, I think that was about five years ago. Yeah, yeah it was about five years ago. So. And, um, yeah, right after that, that's when I started uh, doing the, um, the trick six. Mm-hmm. And that also was never meant – the reason the trick six came about was that I had gotten my first Hobbit, and it didn't come with a variator. Oh, okay. So I was like, I'm cheap. What the hell can I do to get a variator on this thing? Yeah. And I was looking at different Chinese scooters and crap, and I found one. It's like, you know what? This one here, if I machine it just right, I can put the Hobbit bushing in it, mm-hmm. and it will work. I just make a plate for it. And it, I had somebody test it out, and he loved it. And I was yeah. like, great. And he said, yeah, it's, it's better than stock and not as good as, as a as – a, uh, yeah, TJT? Yeah, TJT. And I was like, well, that's fine. I wasn't – right at that moment, there was like a shortage of TJTs. Nobody could get one. Oh, okay. So I was like, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> we're saying, well, I'm paying, we're paying 100 bucks for a TJT, plus we have to provide um, – the, the I guess it Ram- didn't come with the Ram plate. plate. Okay. So I was like, well, I'll sell mine for a hundred bucks and yeah, try to try to make go at that. Like yeah. I've I've seen pictures of them. I've just I've never had them. Like like I said, I yeah. I came into mopeds about 2017. Like I think it was um, I saw one on Travis tutorials like when he did the pinball run like his first bike he built. And I've heard mixed results. Some people like it's, and that's anything in moped. Some people love them. Yep. Some people yep. don't like yep. them. I mean, it just, it is what it is. There's certain products, and I do my utmost not to endorse or talk <laughs> shit about about products on this podcast because yep. I don't know what I'm talking about, anyways. But there's certain products everybody loves that I absolutely hate. I can't get to work. It doesn't work for me. But I've got certain yep. things I love that everybody hates. So it's like, it's it's kind of dealer's options on that. Um, what is your, what do you, what do you do for, what do you do with mopeds these days now? Like just on the manufacturing side, are you doing anything or is it just kind of all, I'm not really manufacturing anything right now. I'm, I've been doing as much as many custom bikes as I can. Okay. Um, in this move, I'm actually losing my shop. The person who, the person who owned my shop is selling the property. So I kind of lost my shop. Um, but I don't think that's gonna it hold me back too much. I'm building the shed so I can get back to building again. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Right now, um, I'm still. Whenever people ask for them, I make the cigarette frames for whatever motor people want them on. Okay. Um, so I've I think I've built three, um, Honda, cigarettes and one Derby. Why don't you talk about these cigarette frames? Are they? Um, I think I've seen pictures of them. Yeah, but the for cigarette the people... frames are like really lightweight um, tube frames. They kind of look like um, the 50cc European racers from like the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, several people have made them since I, I started making them, but I, I produce them so slowly they're kind of people don't see them very often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I still have parts to make a few more of those. Um, and then I have my custom Bativis that I'm always tinkering with. Um, How many uh, frames are you backlogged right now? Because you know as soon as, with the whole 35 people, we have listen lists every week. 
It's, well, it's, one of them okay. might want one. That's what I'm I've saying. Got, I've got two, two half. I've got two cigarette frames half complete. One of them, somebody has been wanting it for a while, but he can never choke up a deposit for it. So that, that but the way, the way both those frames sit now, I can put, I can make the rest of the frame fit any motor. So you hear that everybody out there in podcast land, you can get a trick metric cigarette frame here pretty quick if you need to. Um, so what is your average week of mopeds like? Do you ride much these days? Are you just more, you know, I realize you, you said you moved. Um, yeah, I, I still haven't ridden this year yet. Um, what? My, my Batavis. Um, it's broken it's, like every other Batavis, isn't it? Well, actually, no, it's not broken, but it's, it's always in transition. Like every time <laughs> I get close to having it on the road, I'm like, oh, you know what would be cool on this bike? So like, <laughs> like every little bit, is just a little bit more customized every week. Um, mm. My Gorelli is, could be ridden if I just got off my ass and connected two wires together. It's just I haven't gotten around to doing that. Oh, um, that, may, that makes me a little sad. Hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out in a week or so, you'll have a you'll have a almost running moped. Yeah. I mean, it, I think what, what really turned me off this year, though, was all the rallies being canceled. Yes. Like, that's like I set a date like, oh, my bikes have to be done by this date. Mm-hmm. And then I get close to that date. All right, trying to start working. Oh, canceled. All right, now I got this next date target. I <laughs> and, see that a lot with the old guard right now. Like a yeah. few guys around here like who, you know, they are over 10 years in mopeds and stuff like that. One of them finally just started to – they've been riding, just not their mopeds. Yeah. But like one of them finally called me up like, uh, my Honda is an accelerating right and, and somehow I got to be, uh, I, I broken enough stuff or with uh, Hondas that I kind of almost know what I'm doing. And he <laughs> asked me, he asked me what I thought it might be. And I, we, we talked about it and his initial idea was right, right away. But like he hasn't had his daily rider Honda on the road. And another <laughs> guy's like, well, I started painting mine and then I moved kind of like you. So like now he's, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, everybody's lost i mean it's just weird this whole year yeah i almost uh, before before i this move was like out of nowhere like my landlady called me like a week ago and said oh i'm selling the building and i'm like shit so i found we found this apartment uh last friday oh wow this house last friday and we moved this weekend (laughs) (laughs) well it sounds like it was meant to be if you found it that quick and were able to move that quick yeah yeah, but yeah, I, I almost before this move happened, I was on the verge of going back to making build my motorcycle. So, because yeah, it's just mopeds just didn't didn't seem to be happening this year. Yeah, yeah. what want to talk about your motorcycle builds at all a little bit, even though this is a moped podcast. Well, um, the motorcycle that I was going to work on this year was the very first motorcycle that I bought. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah a long like 10 11 shit, 12 years ago i can't tell how long ago it was but um yeah it's an xs 650 awesome and like every other bike that i buy the first thing i i did when i bought it was i completely tore it apart yeah, yeah and um and then it stayed that way all this time <laughs> i had at one time i had nearly a complete collection of all new parts to bolt onto it Mm-hmm. 
And then over the years, I was selling parts off as I needed money. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about like everybody else. Yeah. So yeah. So a, a lot of people out there that have hammers and a lot of those were, were bankrolled by my motorcycle parts. So. <laughs> there you go. Um, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, I got to think. We'll 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 hang on a little bit after the podcast. But I got I want to. I want to thank you so much for coming on. You didn't really know me. I, I've seen your stuff, and I've, I've got a setup that I'm going to be building this winter, and I'm going to be using some trick metric barks on there, so that makes me happy. Um, yeah. I got to – the fingers, they work. Oh, no, they will. I got faith in you, my guy. Are, are, they, are they classic ones, or are they the treat metric? It's treat metric more than uh, anything, I think. It's um, – Dior adapters and some gaskets and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of amazing how many people out there are have just collected the parts. Like mm-hmm. I know people who have like original trick metric clutches mm-hmm. and Dio adapters that they've never used still in the box. Yeah, you hear yeah, I know a few people like that. They're like, they don't make this anymore. <laughs> I know, then why don't you use it? Like <laughs> It's awesome. Um but yeah, well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and I want you to remember one thing. Mopeds are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they'll ruin your life. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you so much.